Good evening. This is your obedient servant, Orson Welles, your producer of a special series of broadcasts, a festival of your favorite radio dramas, presented by the makers of Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer. The Mercury Summer Theater of the Air. Tonight and every Friday night, Pat's Blue Ribbon presents you with a front row seat in one of the greatest plays ever produced on Broadway. So while America's famous producer, writer, director, Orson Welles, entertains you, pour yourself a tall, frosted glass of Pat's Blue Ribbon and enjoy at the same time great theater and this truly great beer. Thirty-three fine brews blended into one great beer. Thirty-three fine brews. Summer theaters are among the most genial of all theatrical institutions. The atmosphere is pure holiday for everybody on both sides of the curtain, and it's just in that spirit that we of the theater begin, the Mercury Theater, begin tonight a summer festival of revivals. Plays and stories we've done more than once before because you've told us more than once you like them. Tonight it's one of the first things we ever put on the radio, and by no coincidence whatsoever, it's the very latest thing we put on the stage. You can see it now on Broadway at the Adelphi Theater, Sunday evenings included. And if you're one of our staunchest friends, you'll remember it from among the first Mercury broadcasts. Many an eventful year before Cole Porter put the whole slam-bang, she-bang to music for us. His music, a portion of it, makes up the main part of this evening's entertainment. A half hour really isn't time enough for the story alone. This being what it is, a gaudy old melodrama from our youngest days with equal parts of plot and plush. So take it, if you please, with a smile and our warmest compliments for the warm season. Here it is, then, minus many scenes and much mileage with a hop, skip, and a jump around the world in 80 days. The year 1872, a bank has just been robbed. A certain Mr. Dick Fix, a sort of stool pigeon, a private detective, an ugly customer, enacted this evening by your obedient servant, is busy leading the London police in a frantic search for the bank robber, who is, if truth were known, Dick Fix himself. The opening scene is in Hyde Park, and involved in it are a lackadaisical Yankee, Mr. Passepartout, and a young Irish nursemaid named Molly. These besides Fix himself. Now then, see anything of this bank robber? You? No, sir. Who are you, sir? Dick Fix, the coppers knock, and these men with me are police. Now then, you, your name, residence, and place of occupation. Me? Well, I've been sleeping in the park. Residence, Hard Park means a livelihood. I am a sailor, but I miss my ship. I'm stranded. Please, sir, this young gentleman couldn't have anything to do with any bank robbery. How do you know? He's been right here in the park with me these past two hours. Nursemaid, aren't you? How come you know this man? Well, sir, we haven't been formally introduced. But we have been sort of passing the time of day. Boys, you got the wrong man, but don't fear I'll get the right one if I have to search the old of London from Tuting back to Putney Green. Come along, men. Thanks, lady. Thanks for standing up for me like that. So you missed your ship, sailor man. However, did that happen now? I overslept. Hey, look here in the grass. Look what I found. A half a dollar, a half a crown, you call it. That's lucky. Yeah. What you need a job. And I know where you can get one. A job? In the flat below where I work. A gentleman needs a gentleman's gentleman. Could you be a valet? Nothing to it. Sure, I'm lucky. Just meeting you, Miss, uh, Miss... Uh, Muggin. A Muggin? Molly Muggin. The precious mine, I'm sure. Molly. Golly. 
so wrong seemed the world I placed in the fray. My hopeless I burned like a mouse in a cage. Till you came and brains, not that life was worth, then presto change. I'm a happy is one minute, 27 seconds slow. This is your new valet, sir. I'm pleased to meet you. Indeed. And what is your name? Passepartout. Passepartout. My father was French. That can be overlooked. My friends call me Pat. That shouldn't be necessary. Give me my hat and stick. I'm off to the whist club. From this moment, two minutes after 11 o'clock a.m. this Wednesday, October the 2nd, 1872, you are in my service. You will wake me at eight each morning to the toll of St. James's chimes with tea and toast, but important most, a heated copy of the time. A slightly undone copy of the London Times. At 11.29 precisely, I depart for the club each day. So your orders are pat to be positive that I am dressed in an elegant way. For although tis of no interest to me, if I please either damsel or dame, tis a matter of pride as the sweets I stride. To hear all the ladies exclaim. To hear the ladies all exclaim. There he goes, Mr. Phileas Fogg, setting every girl a gog. Wouldn't he make a marvelous mate? Never early, never late. There he goes, that smart Mr. Phileas. In his clothes, so pick a dick What a dude, what a dapper old dog. There he goes, Mr. Phileas Fogg. There he goes, there he goes, there he goes. Well, 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 well. Scotland Yard has come to me to old Dick Fix. The coppers not to help them find the bank robber. Little do they guess the bank robber is me, but I'll mislead them. I'll pin the job on this here Phileas Fogg and get the reward for doing it, because I plays it two ways. That's why they calls me Double Dealing Dick. <laughs> Joe 
gentlemen, fellow members of the Whist Club, I bid you good evening. Good evening, Fogger. Well, Jeffrey, what about that robbery in your bank? Blasted spry of you, Fogger, must say, getting your money out before the theft. We are offering a handsome reward for the bandit's arrest. Reward or no, I say the chances are all in his favor. There is not a single country where the thief could hide. Sure, well, this is big enough. It was, formerly. Oh, formerly. <laughs> Has the world grown smaller, perchance? Much smaller, my dear sir, since we can now circle the globe in 80 days. I'll wager 4,000 pounds such a journey is impossible. I accept you mean, sir, to circle the globe? In 80 days? In 80 days, and I'm willing to bet 20,000 pounds, I'll do it. 20,000? Which an unforeseen delay may make you lose? The unforeseen does not exist. The Dover train leaves at 8.45 tonight. I will take it. Today is the 2nd of October. I will be back in London in this very salon of the Whist Club on Saturday, the 21st of December at 8.45 o'clock in the evening. Twenty thousand pounds? Well, Mr. Fogg, yes. I'll meet the bet. Compose yourself, my dear Chevity. This is serious. <laughs> my dear Sir Charles, we are Englishmen. And when an Englishman makes a bet, it is always serious. breaking any doors, Dick. What evidence have you got against this here Phileas Fogg? Well, Chief, he answers the bank robber's description. Does he? He's going to if he don't. Now for the doorman. One, two, three. Hey, blown the tooth. Through the back way, boys. After him and off it now. But wait a bit. The gas. He left the gas burning. That means he's coming back. But when? In 80 days, Mr. Fogg? It does seem a short time, but I'm confident we'll do it. Seems like a long time to me. How's that? Well, sir, we were so rushed leaving London, I forgot to turn off the gas. Very well, young man. The gas will burn for 80 days at your expense. Tech Special Agent reporting to Scotland Yard. The bank robber Phileas Fogg left Grindisi at high noon on the mail packet Mongolia for Suez, Egypt. Rush warrant, rush reward. Meantime, our dog is footsteps, using all possible ruses to delay his journey. Excuse me, sir. Yes, ma'am? Could you tell me when the next boat sails? Bound eastward, ma'am? How far? As far as possible. I'm going after my intended. And it needs must be. I'll follow him around the world. Well, past for two, we are now in British India. Well, one half day ahead of schedule. Look, Mr. Fogg, the train has stopped. So it has. You are the train conductor? I am that. We've come to a halt. Why? Where are we? At the hamlet of Colby in the great Indian forest. And why, pray, do we not continue? The railway isn't finished yet. The bicycle reads Bombay to Calcutta by uh, rail. Sir, there won't be any more rail for three months. I shan't be able to wait. Mr. Fogg, what would you say to an elephant? I don't know. What does one say to an elephant? <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. Yes, by all means, let us purchase such a beast. My man, I don't speak your lingo, but I desire to rent your elephant. 
I trust you know sufficient English to negotiate. What do you ask? For my elephant, Sahib, 80 rupees. 80 rupees, I say. Isn't that a trifle still? 80 rupees. I'll give you 20. 70. 30. 60. 40. 50. 60. 70. 80. 90. You drive a hard bargain, sir, but it's a deal. Wire urgent, special agent fixed to Scotland Yard in following fog disguise, cleverly as Parsi Mahout. With valid passport to the bank robbers proceeding towards Calcutta through the great Indian forest by way of little known and dangerous territory of Bundelkund by elephant. Why does the beast pause? The elephant pauses because she senses danger. Ah, gentlemen, you may well rue the day you ventured so far into the mountain fastnesses of Upper Bundelkund. I hear savage music. The song of Kali, goddess of death. Behold, Sati. Sati? What's that? The sacrifice by fire. There comes the procession. Looks like some kind of funeral. Who is the deceased? Aouda, a wealthy prince of the neighborhood. Behold, they are bringing his body to the funeral pyre. And there, there comes his young widow. Her husband's corpse will be cremated and she will be put to the flames by his side. Burned alive? A native custom. But how could it be that such foul practices still our countenance? Where is the beneficent hand of our British Empire? Where are we now? The pagoda of Pilaci. See, there is the funeral fire. They are placing the Princess Aouda beside her husband's corpse. And lo, here come the priests with torches. The fires have started. Look! Look there! I can't! It's too horrible! See the corpse! The corpse of the old prince himself! He's there! The corpse rises to its feet! How can this be? He takes the girl into his arms. He brings her towards us. Let us flee. No, no, wait, wait. That isn't an Indian. An Englishman, an Englishman in disguise. And here is the princess, the beautiful Aouda. I am she. And whom have I to thank for this? Fog, madam. Phileas Fogg. Why, master! I knew it. Knew what? It is not true what my people say about the British. Dear Mr. Fogg, you are a man of heart. Occasionally, my dear madam, occasionally, when I have the time. Special Agent fixed to Scotland Yard Urgent. And with bank robber traveling by boat with Yankee accomplice and Indian girl companion, Fogg is presently on the high seas, some 300 miles northeast of Singapore. Evening, miss. You're the Indian girl, ain't you? You don't know me, but I know you, Mrs. Aouda, feeling a bit homesick for India. Indeed not. It would be worth my life to return there. You may have to after I get Mr. Phileas in Hong Kong. What do you mean? Here he comes now. Well, Mr. Fogg, so you finally come out of your cabin for a bit of air, a pretty night out, ain't it? I don't think we've been introduced. Oh, by the by, Mrs. I, should you find yourself a bit short of the ready come to old Dick Fix, the copper's not, for I'll be rich when I get to, you know, oh, in Hong Kong, rich beyond the dreams of avarice. Why are you British people so greedy for money? Money cannot buy you happiness. I know, but I like to have it around so I can choose the type of misery that's most agreeable to me. <laughs> well, I'll leave you lovebirds to enjoy the moon together. Nighty-night. 
I trust that person has not made himself offensive to you. He frightens me. The evening is warm, madam, but you are shivering. With you to guard me, Mr. Fogg, to be fearful is an ungrateful passion. The moon is very lovely. Mrs. Aouda, that is your name, is it not? It is, Mr. Aouda. I have no interest, madam, in your late husband, nor indeed in you. I am, to be frank, a bachelor, and will see you to safety as such. My meaning is clear. It is. Good night, Mr. Fogg. Madam, good night to you. singing Cole Porter's great new song, Should I Tell You I Love You, which brings us to the first act curtain of Around the World. In the Mercury Summer Theater cast tonight, straight out of the Mercury Broadway production, are Mr. Arthur Margotson, who plays the punctilious Mr. Phileas, Miss Julie Warren, who is Molly Muggins, Mr. Larry Lawrence, who is Pat Patu, and among others, the villain of the piece, who is also its producer, your obedient servant. We'll get back to work in just a minute, but now it's intermission. And in any summer theater, time for a stroll out on the terrace, a breath of the fragrant June night, a smoke, some friendly conversation, and a nice frosty glass of Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. Nothing left. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Hairbreath Ken Roberts in the nick of time and right on cue to tell you while we fix our scenery for the second half of Around the World about a world of flavor in 33 fine brews. There most certainly is a world of flavor in Pabst Blue Ribbon. The kind of flavor which makes a fellow smack his lips and say, this is it. Not too light, not too heavy. This truly great beer has a fresh, clean, real beer taste all its own. You see, every single drop of Pabst Blue Ribbon is the happy result of blending. The full flavor blending of never less than 33 fine brews. That's right. Never less than 33 fine brews blend their individual taste tones to give you a blended, splendid Pabst. Blue Ribbon. 
if occasionally these days your dealer can't supply you with all the Pabst Blue Ribbon you'd like, well, keep on asking. For every single bottle you do get will live up to the same high standards of quality and taste. Yes, every bottle will be, as always, blended, splendid, Pabst Blue Ribbon. Thirty-three fine brews blended into one great beer. Now, ladies and gentlemen, around the world, part the second. For purposes of time and radio, we skip ahead some 8,000 miles and some 60 of the 80 days in which, according to his solemn wager with the Whist Club, Mr. Phileas Fogg, in the year of our Lord, 1872, has undertaken to circumnavigate the globe. With Mr. Fogg is, of course, the Hindu princess, Mrs. Aouda, lately rescued from the funeral flames. Sati, you remember, in Upper Bundelkund, and his valet, Pat Passepartout, and an honest nursemaid of the old sod known as Molly Muggins. Because we're somewhat pressed for time this evening, we permitted Miss Muggins to catch up with Mr. Passepartout, whom she greatly admires, during the intermission. The entire party is at this moment in one of the furriest sections of the American Wild West, precisely speaking, in the Wasatch Mountains, advancing by train toward the perilous pass at Medicine Bow. To thicken the plot of this view, if possible, it's coming up for a blizzard. You, sir, you are the train conductor? I'm Jake. Jake, the engineer. Bridge over the pass is gone, or almost gone. We're going to have to spend the night here. Cannot the river be crossed in a boat? Raining too hard, snowing too bad, blizzard too awful, cricks all swole up like a horse with a green apple colic. Be that as it may, I suggest that we pass over the bridge first. Over the bridge? And I'm willing to pay double fare for every soul on board this train if you, sir, Mr. Engineer, will undertake to chance it. On the bridge? On the bridge. With our train? With our train. But the bridge threatens to fall. Yeah, the brave thing won't hold. It won't hold. She's a teering and a tottering right now. I believe that by rushing the train over at its maximum of speed, we'll have some chance of passing. What is your estimate? Oh, 50-50. 50-50. An excellent risk. Let us proceed. Onward, 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 ever onward, Fog's train hurtles toward the rickety bridge, spanning the awesome gorge at Medicine Bow. Now, Jake, the engineer, as it may already have been ascertained, is nothing more than another aspect of the protean Mr. Fix. Fix of the thousand faces, Dick Fix, the copper's knock, still dogging Fog's footsteps around the world. Since your obedient servant is portraying this unsavory character, imagine yourself in the red-hot cabin of the engine, thundering towards the pass. The salmon pink mustachios and red nose are those of Jake the Engineer, but the thoughts, the thoughts of the black thoughts of fix the copper's knock. <laughs> old, old double-dealing Dick himself. It's my game to slow up Fogg until the warrant comes from London so as I could get me the reward by pinning my crimes on him. But now, now he's forcing me to cross this bleeding bridge, and after what I did to it, after what I did to it, I doubt if I can... There comes the bridge now. God help us if she doesn't hold. We're crossing it now. Yeah, we're crossing it. She's a teetering and a tottering. There goes the bridge. (laughs) 
the scene changes to England, the city of Liverpool, some three short weeks later. My friends, I have gone around the world in 80 days, plus four hours and five minutes. I have lost... There he is, boys. Nab him. Who you, sir? A police inspector. Mr. Fogg, you are wanted for bank robbery. I arrest you in the name of the Queen. At long last, Mrs. Aouda, who so dearly loves Mr. Fogg, gains admission to his dank cell in the Liverpool jail. Madam, will you pardon me for having brought you to England? I, Mr. Fogg? Please be kind enough to allow me to finish. When I rescued you, I was rich and counted on placing a portion of my fortune at your disposal. But now, I'm ruined. However, I ask your permission to dispose of the little I have left in your favor. Thank you for calling, and goodbye. Mr. Fogg, do you wish at once a relative and a friend? Will you have me for your wife? Aouda. Phileas. As for two. Coming, Mr. Fogg. Find me a minister of the Church of England. We expect to be married. Married? Ask the Reverend to step round here tomorrow. Tomorrow? Tomorrow, Monday. Tomorrow, Sunday. Nonsense. That's right, Phileas. Today is Saturday. I've made my first miscalculation. If today is Saturday, my friends are waiting for me in the London Whist Club. And you've just got three hours and ten minutes left. Three hours, nine minutes, and thirty-five seconds. The sound of whistling, the whistling, indicates the pursuit by the English police of Dick Fix, whose true identity as the bank robber is revealed just in the nick of time, just in time to release Fogg from jail. And the scene now changes to London... And the whist club. I gave the coppers the slip. Now then, now for a word with these foreign gentlemen of the whist club. Uh, good evening. Good evening, sirs. Who are you, sir? I'm poor old double-dealing Dick himself, and I, I've double-dealt myself out of the entire deal. I've bribed armies, blown up bridges, and what's it got me? No boodle, no carpet bag, no reward. But I have slowed up old Phileas for you, and... That's your bet, and I would like my share of the winnings. We'll talk to you, sir, after we've won the bet. But you've won it already. We haven't, but we're just about to. He has 14 seconds left. Ah, no, no, no. Fogg lost a day. No, sir. He gained a day. He traveled eastward. Eastward toward the sun. The international date line. He has nine seconds left. Eight, seven, six, six five... five. Four, three, two, gentlemen, I am here. Fogg and Mrs. Fogg. No ladies, no ladies allowed in the wish club. Sir, this is no ladies. This, no, 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 no. The police hot on his trail, Dick Fix breaks off into the night, leaving the lovers, Pat and Molly, Mrs. Aouda and Mr. Phileas Fogg to celebrate the remarkable journey made in the year 1872 around the world in 80 days. Austin Wells will be back in just a few seconds to tell you about next week's production of the Mercury Summer Theater. But first, 
the makers of Pabst Blue Ribbon wish to remind you that though you may not be able always to get Pabst Blue Ribbon beer every time you want it in these days of grain restrictions, it is well worth your while to keep asking, for every bottle you do get will continue to live up to its name. There will be no cutting of corners, no lowering of standards of flavor or goodness, no compromise with quality. This truly great beer will be, as always, the happy blending of never less than 33 fine brews. As always, blended, splendid, Pabst Blue Ribbon. Now, here is Orson Welles. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, we, we take our tongue almost entirely out of our cheeks and bring you a great romance, a really great romance and an old favorite of ours, The Count of Monte Cristo. At the same time next week, same station. Please join us. Until then, speaking for my sponsors, the makers of Pabst Blue Ribbon Beer, and all of us in the Mercury Theater, I remain, as always, obedient to yours. This program came to you through the courtesy of the Pabst Brewing Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, makers of blended, splendid Pabst Blue Ribbon. CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.